Women in Wellbeing is an Eden Center podcast, highlighting emotional well-being and mental health through Jewish sources and interviews with experts and activists. Our host, Karen Muller-Jackson, is a certified Matan Marala Halakha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kifun Lashirut Guidance Program for Religious Girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Just as the mikvah waters create the opportunity for renewal, we hope the insights shared here will serve as a springboard for discussion and rejuvenation. Welcome back to the Eden Center's Women and Wellbeing podcast in honor of Chodesh Adar. This month's podcast is dedicated in memory of Izzy Kaplan, Yisrael ben David Aryeh Vasara, to mark his 14th yard site on Kafchet Adar. Izzy was an Ohev Yisrael and Baal Chesed in the truest sense. He had a twinkle in his eye and a sharp sense of humor. In this episode, we'll be exploring the view of joy and laughter in Tanakh and Talmud. After these Torah thoughts, I'll be talking with comedian, officially Julie, about how she came to be a female religious Anglo in Israel doing comedy. Adar is a time of increased happiness, but does Judaism encourage laughter and lightness, and to what extent? The Gemara in Brachot warns that at times of standing before God in tefillah, we should not approach God from a place of laughter or playfulness, mistochschok. Yet at the moment of redemption in Megillah Esther and in Havdalah every week, we say the words, The Jews enjoyed light and gladness, happiness and honor. A brief look at the biblical verses about joy and laughter adds some depth and clarity. In Bereshit chapter 17, when God promises Avraham and Sarah that they will have a son, we see they both have a similar reaction. Avraham throws himself, first Avraham hears, and he throws himself on his face and laughs. And he says to himself, can a child be born to a man 100 years, years old? Or can Sarah bear a child at 90? In the next chapter, when Sarah overhears that she will have a child, she laughs to herself. The commentaries discuss why it is that God reacts only to Sarah's laughter. Rashi, citing Targum Unklus, teaches that Avraham's laughter was a laughter of joy. Um, and even though the same word is used in the case of Sarah's laughter, Rashi translates this as, um, as regular laughter, not laughter from joy. Avraham's laugh from, was from a place of faith and rejoicing. And Sarah's laugh was from a place of a lack of faith. That is why God was angry with Sarah when she laughed. And God was not angry with Avraham's laughter. Of course, this all connects with Yitzchak's name being connected to the root for laughter, Tzachak. The same root, Tzachak, appears in numerous other times in Tanakh and sometimes alludes to questionable and inappropriate behavior. After Yitzchak is born, Yishmael is metzachek. The meaning of this is unclear. However, we know that it is what prompts Sarah to finally try and remove him from her home suggesting that he is up to no good. One idea proposed by the Midrashim is that Yishmael was fighting with Yitzchak and shooting arrows at him. It is also used more positively in the description of Avimelech looking through a window and seeing Yitzchak and Rivka in an act of intimacy. There, the same word, same root, Tzachak, is used. However, at the sin of the golden calf, the same root is used again, and it is referring to the rejoicing relating to idol worship. 
The biblical sources highlight that laughter can be, like so much else, taken to a place of inappropriateness, negativity, and sin, or to a positive place of love and rejoicing. In the Talmud, I want to share just two stories which involve laughter, and we'll see that this adds another layer of interesting interpretation of laughter. In Masachetani, we hear about a Talmudic stage, a Talmudic sage, a learning about the positive value of laughter and how it is also used as a way of healing. We hear that Rabbi Broka Choza was often found in the Shuk of Beit Lefetz, and that there Eliyahu Hanavi would often appear to him. Uh, there was one time when Rab- Rabbi Broka said to Eliyahu, of all the people who come here to this shuk, which seems to be a place of uh, frivolity and certainly not spirituality, he asks Eliyahu, is anyone here in this shuk worthy of the world to come? In the end, he hears of a few people who are, and one of the cases is as follows. Two brothers come to the marketplace, and Eliyahu says to Rabbi Broka, these two have a share in the world to come. Rabbi Broka went over to the men and said to them, What is your occupation? They said to him, We are jesters, and we cheer up people who are feeling down. They also say, alternatively, when we see two people who have a quarrel between them, we strive to make peace. Here, the Talmudic sage is outside of his world, outside of the Beit Midrash, in the Shuk, which is typically thought of as a place of, uh, certainly not a place of spirituality and Torah values. And yet here he also learns something about regular people, even about jesters, who it seems are doing good deeds and helping others through laughter. One final Talmudic tale is the well-known Agadah about Rabbi Akiva. In Masachet Makot, we hear that Rabbi Akiva and his fellow sages were walking amongst the ruins of the temple. And the other rabbis began to weep. Rabbi Akiva sees a fox running out of the Holy of Holies and starts laughing. The sages can't understand why he is laughing. And he gives them a few verses which allude to the fact that even though they are after the destruction and there is stuff to mourn, there are more prophecies about future redemptions. And so his laughter, Rabbi Akiva's laughter, is a laughter out of hope for the future. Laughter, as we see, can be taken to different places. We can laugh in a somewhat nasty way, mocking and belittling others. Laughter can be associated with inappropriate behavior um, and uh, wantonness. Or laughter can be a way to do positive things, to diffuse tension, to get closer to friends and family, to invite intimacy with your spouse, to distract us from pain or sadness, and be a source of coping and healing. This is exactly what I will be discussing with my guest, officially Julie, who shares her thoughts and personal story relating to the power of laughter in our lives. Julie Rothschild-Levy is a comic content creator, actress, writer, and former medical clown. Originally from Minnesota, she lives in Israel with her family, which gives her plenty of funny material for her shtick. Hi, Julie. Thanks so much for joining us today in the Eden Center Women and Wellbeing podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's our pleasure. So in honor of Rosh Chodesh Adar, we are talking about laughter and happiness 
And um, I know that you've uh, you've you've had some connection to the Eden Center in the past, and uh, I am excited to talk to you to get us all in the spirit of Adar about being a female religious comedian and also um, some of the work you've done related to that. So we'll just jump right in. Um, you are a female comedian and you draw on your identity, your various identities as Anglo, Israeli, religious, and also being a woman. Um, I see you draw on all of this in your routines. What brought you to this field and where, from where do you draw your inspiration for your clips and your humor? So first of all, um, I have no idea how I, how I ended up doing this. It wasn't anything I planned. Um, my background is actually in international public relations, writing and editing. And, um, when I was a kid, like I, you know, I, I could make people laugh by making funny faces. Actually, I think at that point I was already a teenager. And so I noticed that I had that ability and it was also something, you know, when you're a young adult, you're very self-conscious. So, Yes. That was something where I could just kind of let myself go and connect with people that way. Um, and then in college, I did some comedy stuff um, more for like a campus television show. I did some improv classes and my favorite once, like I really got into musical theater, I just saw that my favorite was, was doing comedy. Hmm. So it was always sort of pulling me that in that direction. But if you'd told me 20 years ago, that I'd be doing what I'm doing now as a religious woman. I'm religious by choice is what I like to say. <laughs> um, as uh, somebody who lives in Israel, that was definitely not part of my upbringing, <laughs> Zionism at all. <laughs> the woman part, yeah, I would be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like Stick with that. that right? That I'm turn into a woman. So um, as far as drawing inspiration, um, I, I would have to say... It must. It would be the more physical comics, um, the classics like Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball. These were women who were able to just let go and be goofy, and it just was so endearing to them. So I think I'm, I'm taking that part of me that is. Um, I think we all have self conscious sides, but just putting that aside. And being able to to just go with it and have fun. Wow, that's you know it's so interesting what you just brought up in terms of um, your your kind of sources of inspiration. Uh, Carol Burnett, I haven't thought about her in a while, um, and I think that you know we there's a lot of it. It seems to me that when I see comedy, it can very easily. Um, sort of make its way into vulgar and cursing, vulgarity, cursing. And and sometimes as a religious person, it makes me feel this that really delicate kind of borderline um, uh, between sort of what's funny and a little inappropriate and then what's like starts to get really mm, doesn't make me feel comfortable. And I think those, you know, those women you mentioned, that was one of the amazing things that they managed to stay pretty clean and, uh, and yet could be funny. Uh, so that's, that's actually a really nice, um, 
That's a nice source to talk about. And it actually relates to some of the stuff they spoke about in my Torah thoughts about um, about laughter and humor in Tanakh, where we see some of it is encouraged and praised and some of it is, you know, is uh, is inappropriate and not okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I think for me, because I put myself out there as a religious woman, um, I find that finding the funny in, in not the vulgar is easier than I thought it would be. Um, that's never been my thing either. Um, you know, I, and I think there's a much more of an awareness and a consciousness as, as a religious, as an observant woman. And not only that, but as a mother and a white wife, whatever I'm doing and I'm putting out there is eventually going to get to <laughs> the other people <laughs> life and affect them like my daughter follows me on Instagram so you know I need to be aware and that for me is an important thing is is keeping it clean which actually really goes in line with the mikvah <laughs> right mm, we, we that's come right. to the mikvah clean so, <laughs> that's yeah. right we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to the mikvah soon um before we do um I I hear that you've worked as a medical clown uh could you tell us a bit about that work and and, um, and how maybe it's different from the comedy you do regularly. And in particular, how do you see laughter, the, the laughter you bring, uh, the smiles you bring when you do that work um, as helpful in the process of healing, be it physical or emotional? So, yeah, I was a medical clown for about four years uh, before Corona hit. And I was drawn to it because I, I really hadn't done anything performing wise for about 20 years. And I had postpartum depression uh, when my last, well, my last two children were born. But with the last pregnancy, we had just moved to, back to Israel. We did the back and forth thing a few times. And, um, I, I was older, I was in my early forties when I had the baby and I just felt, um, like I'd been through so many changes. So I was really struggling uh -huh. and I saw this concept of a medical clown and I'd never heard of it before. Uh, after I had the baby and he was a little bit older, I contacted, it's actually a college here in, in Israel. Wow. And I contacted them. It's called Simchat Alev, and they have various courses. So I thought, you know what? I don't know. The medical the medical part is hard for me to connect to. That's scary. The thought of going into a hospital. Mm. The clown part, I think I can connect to that. Hmm. I went through the course, and it was about six months long. And I learned so much about myself and I was able to tap back into that side of me that I, I really felt like I lost having become a mother to a large family, uh, moving back and forth between the States and Israel, having become religious in that time period. So for me, it was like, it was like a breath of fresh air. Huh. So we were taught and we were given the skills to go into places where there's a population at risk. Like I said, a hospital, nursing home, battered women's shelter, even special needs, kindergartens, and try to take the person out of their reality because nobody wants to be in any of those places and just take them to a happier place. Um, it can be anything from what they used to do, let's say a nursing home, what you did before you retired, and then 
playing games with them. Um, and one of the things that we would do, especially in the hospital, is we would see the person and not the illness. So a lot of times I'd go in and I wouldn't even know what was wrong with them. Um, but I just knew that somehow I wanted to try to bring some light to the darkness. So that's what I did. And it really, I mean, as much as perhaps I was able to give, I got so much more in return. I was so grateful for health. I was so grateful for the ability to make somebody laugh or to bring a smile to their face. Now, not everybody wants a clown. You have to also, you learn the skills of, um, and not to take it personally, if somebody is in too much pain or it's just not a good time to just let that go. That was another really important skill that I learned, which was you don't have to take everything personally. A lot of times it doesn't even have to do with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a really good skill. Now, as far as now, I left it because I, I did kind of burn out. Um, it's pretty intense to do that type yes. of uh, work. And really, actually, it was volunteer. Um, the clowning that I did more for compensation was I was a party clown, <laughs> or as I call it, a, a glorified babysitter. So I did some of that. I did some medical clowning workshops to teach people how to bring these concepts into their own lives. I think it's I think it's both different and similar to what I'm doing now because right now I am mainly doing this online so I just set up my cat my phone camera and I do it and I edit it and I put it out there so my intent is hopefully to make somebody laugh or even smile and to touch on on things that we have in our lives that can be um I guess more uh tedious <laughs> or the changes like living in Israel, like becoming religious, that sort of thing. And, um, and then just, you know, I, I put myself out there, but I don't have the kind of direct playing off of somebody that I would, uh-huh. let's say clowning, even on stage. So in a way, there's a little bit of a buffer and I'm, believe it or not, I'm a bit of an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a comfort zone for me. The fact that I can do my shtick and put it out there and there's a buffer. That's a comfort zone. So medical clowning did take me out of my comfort zone a bit. And what was really interesting is I would go in, let's say, to a hospital dressed with a pink wig, a clown nose, colorful clothing, and people would smile at me, like people who... I don't really have interaction with in my life on a daily basis, Arab, you know, Arabs. Um, mm. no, I mean, okay. I have like non-religious people in my life, but it was sort of like, everybody was happy to see you and going into a hospital, just looking like this is a whole other experience. <laughs> You're not dressed yeah. as a clown today. I'll share with our listeners. <laughs> really not dressed as a clown. <laughs> uh, most of the time I'm not, but uh, I do like to play around with different wigs and different looks and different characters. So that, that taps into that side of me. So I think as far as um, trying to bring some light to the dark, if we're going to use that analogy, 
that could be done in so many ways. So what I'm doing right now is uh, the feedback I get from people just, you know, I opened my phone in the morning and I saw your, your reel and it really just lightened my day already. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful to hear wow. that. Truly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I have to say, I, you know, over the years, we've had occasional uh, visits to the hospitals in Israel. And I think, uh, especially with my children, you know, even though they'd, some of them would roll their eyes, you know, I think that the their presence definitely is just special because it could be so many hours of waiting around and, and kind of being unhappy. And it really just a few minutes can just, um, and like you said, just really quite amazing uh, I think hospitals in and of themselves in Israel are fascinating um, um, (laughs) social experiments and experiences. Um, And, uh, and it's, and thank you for sharing your personal um, journey as well. And it's interesting. I think that also when we come to these things from our personal experiences, they often are the most authentic and we can, you know, most be helpful to others. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to add, with your permission, I mentioned that I've struggled with depression. And it's interesting, because I think somebody who has really tasted what it's like to have been through any mental health struggle, first of all, it almost seems impossible to get to that happier place when you're in such a, a dark place. Um, but I do think that because life is cyclical and God willing, we can get the tools and the help and even medication to help pull us out. I find that somebody who has been there almost has a, a deeper sense of appreciation for, for the ability to breathe and to smile and to laugh when it was so hard to do before. So I, I think when the fact that even that I went to medical clowning school and I was able to tap into that side of myself, having come out of such a darkness, uh, just showed me the, I think the beauty of life in general, which is there, we can feel despair, but it doesn't mean we're always going to be in that and to look forward, I guess, to that. You know, how the state we're in right now doesn't mean that that's how we're going to be the next day or the next month. Yes. It was really growing, very growing. Um, And really attest to how how strong you are, you know, to have been able to uh, take yourself, you know, there's an element of getting help and also helping yourself. And I think uh, uh, that's really quite amazing. Um, So I'm going to shift gears and thank you so much for sharing that. I know that um, this is a topic that's so important to the Eden Center and to our audience. Um, So the Eden Center also works to improve the experience of mikvah, as you well know, um, and use it as a platform to empower Jewish women and couples around their physical, emotional, and intimate health. So where do you see the importance of laughter specifically for women, especially when they're, you know, juggling all the many things going on in their lives? And is there, I, I, I imagine the answer to this is yes, but I'd love to hear your commentary. Um, where, how, where is the room for comedy around mikvah practice? <laughs> um, so Listen, I think that almost everything in life can be made um, lighter and even have a funny side to it. 
I actually am I'm now past menopause, so I don't go to the mikvah anymore. But for all the years that I did, um, there are so many different types of mikvahs in Israel and around the world that I had so many different kinds of experiences. Um, I have to say all of them positive. Wow. <laughs> yeah, really. Awesome. I mean, even if the accommodations weren't so, uh, you know, like in outside of Israel, they tend to be the mikvahs tend to be much more, uh, let's say, luxurious <laughs> than here yes. in Israel. But my experiences were generally positive. And um, we worked to we worked together to do a comic reel on the experience of mikvah with women. And there's this aspect, right, of you have to leave. And let's say it's in the winter when you go to the mikvah earlier and your kid's like, where are you going, mom? <laughs> and you have to come up with something. I, so, I saw that reel. It was very good. <laughs> yeah. So these are like things that women actually say to their kids um, anywhere from, you know, I'm, I'm, I love this one. I'm, I'm going to meet my friend, mine, <laughs> which, which is true. <laughs> um, very creative. So what was also interesting is that some, some people had uh, some difficulty with the fact that why would you lie to your kids? And that's not a good, uh, you know, value to instill. So it, it brought up a lot of interesting conversation uh, on that in particular. But I, I, I think, um, like I said, anything can be brought, anything can be experienced with greater lightness. So for, I think women who dread going to the mikvah. Um, it's kind of a, ugh, it's kind of heavy. Have you, um, I think that it's, if we really think about why we're going and you can even just take that time for yourself, that, that can be a happy place. And I really believe that we can, each have our happy places and turn something into a happy place. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's just, it's our attitude. It's, I think it can be funny. Just I remember like I'd, I'd pack a bag and, you know, how can I make it look less, uh, you know, less, let's say obvious where I'm going, right. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to have flip-flops sticking out of my bag in January, <laughs> that's you know, um, a little suspicious. <laughs> a little suspicious. So it can be turned into a game, you know, like <laughs> there's something fun about having a secret. There's something fun about it. Definitely. Um, I really like that approach. I think that um, anytime there's something in life uh, where you're sort of, um, you know, not feeling very positive about <laughs> engaging with it kind of, Finding ways to laugh about it definitely is a really good tip. Really helpful. I'm going to use that. Um, And and finally, um, I'd like to ask you, maybe have some thoughts on how couples can find more ways to incorporate laughter and comedy into their lives and intimate relationship. Well, first of all, I think marriage is a a hysterical concept. (laughs) 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 Like, what the heck? (laughs) Um. Yeah, talk about working on ourselves. Um, but I, I think couples can, first of all, I think it's so crucial to have, to be able to laugh together. And especially the more time passes and you have kids and, and life is like, there's so much to do. Like you said, there's so much on our heads, especially as women. Um, it's almost like if we can't take a moment to smile or even giggle, then 
it's just the 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 weight of everything just compounds so I think it's great to just have one and I and to tell you the truth I think the mikvah night is a wonderful time to to laugh (laughs) um because it's like um when you laugh it's it's creating an intimate bond to some degree with somebody so I'm all for funny shows and funny movies and and jokes and all of that. Whatever you have to know what your partner is, what's going to resonate with them. Mm. And and just um, even the kids, like, I mean, there are times my husband and I would go out and, you know, there's so much oh, heaviness to talk to, you know, about the yeah. kids and what this one's not doing in school and what that one not doing. <laughs> and, so true. And, yeah. And sometimes you just have to say, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, I nagged him to clean his room. It didn't happen again. Ha ha ha. Like one day you're going to look back and they're going to have moved on your child. So you can think about how it was funny. Um, the fact that you were telling him over and over again. And now if it's your son, now their wife is <laughs> you know, payback time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's really good. I think another thing like that sometimes I do with my own family is, and this is just also a way to connect on a different level is just to ask them, was there something that happened today at school or something that happened in your work day that made you smile or made you laugh? And on, sometimes it's not so easy to answer that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you really have to think about it. And if you can't come up with something, then that might be a good, a good goal. Mm-hmm. to try to pay attention to that and and to create laughter and smiling in mm-hmm. your daily life. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, I also talked a little bit in my Torah thoughts about Abraham and Sarah and the difference between the, the commentaries talk diff- about the tzchok, the their laughter, their different laughter and what the difference was. And and I think it's, I'm now connecting it with this question. And I think that finding ways to laugh, you know, certainly um, staying away from laughing at each other and much more laughing with each other, um, will, uh, will really, uh, find, I think it can relax. And as you, as you said, draw closeness, um, Julie, this has been, this has been so fun. (laughs) I look forward to continuing to watch your clips and I am of course going to share the link to, uh, for listeners to follow you start following you. And thank you for bringing the joy and the laughter into our lives. And uh, Chodesh Tov, thank you. Thank you so much. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikveh as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedincenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating Share this podcast on social media and encourage others to subscribe.